0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen-hundred-dollar first bet offer on your first wager.
1: The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off
2: morning, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Stone. I hope you're having a lovely morning. It's certainly looking good for me. Uh, I'm joined by the august writers for The Athletic, Amy Lawrence and James McNicholas. <laughs> I had to underline the GUST, by the way, otherwise I'd have said august. But anyway, (laughs) nice to see you A very good month.
1: A fine month.
2: It's great. It it is a fine month, although May could be better. Uh, We will talk uh, today about the men's team and their victory yesterday over Leeds at the Emirates. We'll also chat Mikel Arteta's contract renewal. And later on, Art De Roche will be coming on to talk about the women getting ever so close to the WSL title. Before we do all that. Our producer, Abby told me that James was so tense at the end of yesterday's game that he had to leave the stadium. This is me. What is it? Eighty-eight
3: minutes on the clock in the concourse. I've had to go for a walk around because I can't watch. Uh, I'm a mess. I had to leave my seat. <laughs> I didn't leave the stadium. I patrolled the concourse. <laughs> Uh, sort of intermittently during the last 10 minutes. And I would occasionally pop back in. I'm very lucky my seat is on the aisle, very near the kind of, uh, what's the word, sort of gateway through to the seating area. So I was kind of back and forth. Um, wow. Yeah. You're if, all if, the was in, it. if the ball was in our half and Leeds were on the attack, I was probably in the concourse with my head in my hands, <laughs> to be honest with you.
2: Wow. It's Listen, it's great. You're all in. I, I like that. All the chips are now in the centre of the table uh, for this uh, this season. And that's great. I know you've always been committed, but I, I like this level. Um We thought, by the way, what we do then, we'd ask our panellists about games that they had to look away from or walk out of. Um James, is this the first time you've done this, by the way? No, census, this last week. Isn't.
3: <laughs> I, 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 I wasn't even at West Ham and in the final 10 minutes of that game I think I went next door and started doing the washing up because I was like I just cannot watch this it's it's <laughs> agonising unfortunately it's my job to watch it that's one of yeah. the big issues um,
2: yeah
3: yeah and, and it's not normal for me I'm pretty level-headed usually in a game but it's just these fine margins and I think guess I desperately want this for this team. Mm. I really, really do. And it's so close now. And uh, yeah, my heart can't quite take it. I'm ashamed to admit.
2: Uh, Don't be ashamed. Don't. I I think that our listeners will be will love the fact that you're as much into, no, no, genuinely, because that's how a lot of people are feeling at the moment. Not obviously to the point where they walk away from their seat and pace about in the concourse patrolling. I'm not quite sure what you're trying to it patrol. I,
3: yeah, I just found myself pacing back and forth and then I sort of looked, I sort of saw myself out of body and then I realised that's what managers are doing. You know that's what they're doing on the touchline they're sort of pretending to have some sort of sense of control whereas really they don't and they're just expressing that anxiety it was interesting like i was in the concourse and obviously there was a few people actually like leaving the game early getting away going to the pub going to transport, whatever but there was a handful of other people who like me were just in the concourse glancing at screens looking at the floor twiddling their thumbs and we sort of had a nod of kind of acknowledgement of like oh you're also mental like me you just can't hack this (laughs) <laughs> um, we were comrades in that moment.
2: Yeah. Uh, Amy, did you uh, did you stay in your seat yesterday, by the way?
1: Uh, I did stay in my seat, um, but I was in the press box. So if I'd have wandered out, that might have uh, looked a bit sus. <laughs> um, and have you done this before? Have you stopped
2: watching a game because it was too much or turned off the radio or whatever? It's more...
1: Uh, uh, <sighs> It's more been things on TV if I can't cope with it. A bit like James, I find I've suddenly got to put to sort out that extra load of laundry or, you know, clean the dishes or do any kind of menial task. Sometimes when it's just like, oh my God, there's X minutes to go and I can't actually endure these X minutes in real time. I find that I have to just go and make time pass somewhere and then if, if if a few minutes have gone and it's still the same, you know, and you can go and do something else for a bit, but actually, I must admit, that's almost. This sounds pathetic. Saying this, I have that more with Tottenham than with Arsenal. Uh, even that uh, when Tottenham in the Champions League final, I couldn't watch it. Mm. I couldn't, except for like the last couple of minutes. When even the other day when they were playing Liverpool, I I found myself unable to to watch that. But I mean, Arsenal-wise, I've never—I—I I, I don't recall ever leaving a game early. I've always got, even in the most sort of hopeless situations, somehow that kind of desperation that it might be possible to score three goals in the last two and a half minutes or whatever. But I do remember uh, back in '89, Arsenal went to Middlesbrough towards the end of the season. It was really, really important game, and. I wasn't at Middlesbrough and it wasn't on TV and it was just on the radio and I was sitting and listening to, the, to it on the, in, on the radio in my house and I couldn't stay in the house. Uh, and I just went for a walk to the local park with my little transistor radio and headphones with sort of uh, orange foam that you had on those headphones in those days. And just paced and paced and paced around the park, listening, like in excruciating, sort of looking like I was having a hernia thing, I think, to any passersby, <laughs> walking dogs or whatever. And then Martin Hayes scored like five minutes from the end and I let out some sort of primal scream on my own in the park, which was probably quite alarming for <laughs> anyone who might have been having a Saturday afternoon stroll. Um, yeah, yeah. Radio
2: is a tough one,
1: actually. I must say, and I was going
2: to talk about the fact, and I've mentioned this to you before. Uh, Juventus away in the um, nineteen eighty Cup Winners Cup semi final, when we draw one all in the home leg and the away leg, we were n- and Juventus basically were shameless. They just went, well, well, that we'll take a nil nil, we'll go through on away goals, because we're Juventus and we can. And um, about ten minutes from the end, I turned the radio off. And I uh, thought, I can't, I can't listen to this anymore. And then something pulled me back to the radio with about a minute to go. And there was something about the quality. You, you, as football fans, if you listen to the radio enough, you know there's something about the sound of the crowd. And as soon as I turned it on, I thought, something's happened. Something has happened here. And Paul Vasson, God rest his soul, uh, had scored the winning goal, basically in the last minute. And I... Uh, it's basically jumped around in my room for about the next half an hour. Amy, you wanted to say something there.
1: I'm just wondering if James might start a trend of people at home games going to hang out in the concourses when things get stressed. There might be <laughs> I hope not. Like, I hope you can not. Start but... a scene, you know? <laughs>
3: I hope not. It's like there a support group.
1: You could be like a support group, though.
3: Yeah, maybe. Can I just You're say that?
2: Yeah well can I just say that the Arsenal fans staying in the stadium is an actual support group okay it's a support <laughs> group for the team who need us at the moment so I I don't think that people should follow James's example that's and, true and it's
3: a it's a dereliction of duty in some ways
2: especially just, especially right now with the connection we've got and and Amy by the way has written a lovely piece about Louis Dunford's uh, the angel song which was sung heartily lustily yesterday and we'll get to that uh, in a short while um but anyway, yeah, it is getting tense. Searing pace. Great touch of the other resilient. Oh, here again! He is on fire! Arsenal are on fire. But the gunners already blowing this game wide open. Arsenal two, Leeds United one. Arsenal stay fourth, one point behind Chelsea. Four points. Count and Tottenham, four points ahead of Spurs. Mind that gap. Weird afternoon, Amy, really, wasn't it? Two goals, quick goals at the start, and we're all sitting there in the sunshine thinking, oh, brilliant. What's the cold difference with Tottenham? Maybe we can make up six or seven on the day. Uh, and it all just got weird. <laughs> and by the end, James is not even watching the game and pacing about in the concourse outside. Um, let's start at the start. Eddie and Ketia is having a great time at the moment. He didn't celebrate the first goal. He did a little bit more the second goal. I think those are the rules, aren't they? It's not disrespectful to celebrate a second goal. But we're all pleased for him, aren't we? We asked this question
1: last week, Amy. Do you think he will stay and do you think he should stay? I think the arguments for him staying are getting stronger by the moment. I, I, I don't mind being honest enough to admit that not that long ago, uh, I was probably in the camp of say of, of predicting and thinking and expecting and understanding that Arsenal would be on the hunt for two centre-forwards this summer and that Enketia and Lacazette like would come to their natural conclusions of their time at Arsenal and thinking that that was the right thing. While everyone has affection for Eddie, I think a few months ago there was an element of for all the goodwill in the world not being convinced that he was going to quite cut the mustard as the lone centre forward, which is a bloody difficult role in modern football against great big centre-halves. And he came on uh, for said, a few games ago. I can't remember exactly which match it was. And it was weird. It was, I thought he suddenly looked different, as if he'd sort of had a kind of massive crash course in the gym, which I don't think is necessarily the case because, you know, these things take time. But he suddenly looked bigger, more muscular, quicker, and a bit more grown up and played in a way as if he just felt different out on the pitch. And I don't know what made that happen. But since that moment, he's been the business.
2: Mm.
1: And when you actually analyse the situation, if there's an agreement to be made... And there is logic to this because, it's, you know, it's, Arsenal are going to have rebuilding and, and enhancement work to do anyway in the summer. And if one less thing is finding another centre forward, well, that would be really helpful because you've got one that you really want. And also letting him go for nothing would be sort of frustrating in the, the business model. But from his, you've got to look at it from his point of view as well. Is he going to get paid loads more than Arsenal at the kind of club he might go to? Well, it shouldn't be, really. Uh, Is he going to go to a club that is noticeably bigger and more ambitious than Arsenal? Probably not. You can see why he might want to stay now. You could see why a few months ago he would want to go because he wanted to play football more and he wasn't getting that many chances. And when he was getting those chances, it was difficult to make that impression and feel that rhythm because it would be a bit of a quick in and out, invariably but having had this consistency of a run and whatever development's been going on at the training ground and in his own sort of personal approach he he looks like a premier league striker now which is an enormous compliment to him rather than a league cup striker that you hope is going to you know yeah. d- d- muck in uh he carries himself differently and, he and he's scoring the kind of goals that others are not particularly scoring and there's not much finer praise to put on it. That first goal and some of the movements that he's been doing where he's been hunting things down, it just reminded me a little bit of Ian Wright, who I know mentored him for a while when um Eddie went to Leeds. But that thing, whenever you watched Ian Wright, you knew that he would, you know, he didn't understand what a lost cause was. He only saw an opportunity. He would He played as if looking at the defender or the goalkeeper and thinking you might make a mistake and if you do I'm there and that kind of attitude which you know is as much in your in your brain and in your heart as anything else to make you chase a, a, a you know a probable loss cause 9 times out of 10 or you're going to sorry you ch- chase it 10 times out of 10 and you're probably going to be getting nothing out of it 9 times out of 10 but to keep doing that is is reaping great rewards for Eddie and the team yeah um,
2: could take us all the way at the Champions League. James, we did talk about this last week. There was a Twitter poll. Albino put one out. Three, Just under 3,000 people took part. Just under 74% said we should sign him up. It is complicated, isn't it? But he's not doing himself... Whatever happens with him and his Arsenal career, he's not doing himself any harm, is he, really?
3: No, he's putting himself in a, an incredibly strong position both in terms of you know Arsenal potentially improving their contract offer to him, but also the offers he'll get from elsewhere. I mean, you know, what would he be worth if he was under proper contracts and on the open market as a young English homegrown centre forward? Probably a great deal. And a club in Europe or in England via a tribunal will be able to get him for a lot less than that. And a good deal of that hypothetical fee will be diverted into his salary package. Um I mean, some of the conversations I've had with agents about what he might expect to earn if he leaves Arsenal next year, I'll be honest, left me pretty staggered in terms of the earning potential for Eddie if he goes based on the fact that he'll probably go for a relatively small fee. Yeah. You know, he could make a lot of money. And I don't, and I think he could make more money than Arsenal would be prepared to offer to keep him. So... That is a consideration. You know, I know he loves Arsenal. I know he's always wanted to be part of things at Arsenal, but this is a a fairly unique financial situation he finds himself in. I'm very curious to see which way this one goes. You know, Mikel Arteta kind of downplayed it in his press conference and said...
2: Let him enjoy the moment and all that Yeah,
3: yeah. I think probably the reason he did that is he's probably conscious that his best chance of keeping Eddie is via Eddie enjoying this time on the pitch and thinking, OK, I am part of the plans. There is a future for me here. I still don't know how he would feel or react to Arsenal buying another centre-forward, though, which seems, you know, a formality, really, or two. Arsenal. But or yeah, two. or two. I mean, Arsenal are going to strengthen in that part of the pitch. And I guess the question for Eddie then becomes, does he back himself in that situation to get enough game time to feel... Relevant and like he's progressing and developing and contributing. Um, It's a massive decision and it's becoming a more difficult decision because of how well it's going for him right now, (laughs) funnily enough. I mean, it's a strong position, but, you know, there's a lot at stake.
2: Well, there's going to be more games next season, aren't there? Amy, you want to say something at this point?
1: I just think it's worth a mention that, um, again, you're confounding expectations a little bit, but more broadly than just Eddie, when we were first considering this sort of uh, run in to try and catch top 4 and i think uh, for me it started with 17 games to go after the kind of wintry uh, international break i just remember keeping thinking like if arsenal keep everybody fit that's going to be the difference like the, the 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 sort of what had become the more or less first 11 of mikel arteta that this season felt like the team that can get them there, but they would need that luck. And obviously, people have been missing and key people have been missing. And Bamiang, you know, going, presented another situation. So I think there's a, such an enormous pat on the back needed, not just for Eddie, but Moel Nenny, Rob Holding. You know, these guys who have come in and put exceptional... Very composed, very important performances in key positions on the pitch in at our time of need is so creditable to the individual players, to the squad as a whole. The staff of Mikel Arteta who have created an environment where guys who are not expected to necessarily start if everyone's fit are coming in with a class attitude and doing the business.
3: I think credit is due to those individuals. But as Amy touched on there, I think to the manager as well. I mean, if I told you that Arsenal would be on the brink of Champions League qualification, but you know, and that they would have beaten Manchester United, Chelsea, West Ham, Leeds with a team, including players like Cedric, Elneny, Nketiah. uh, I think probably a lot of fans would have found that difficult to believe. I mean, I think back to when Unai Emery faltered in his bid for Champions League football and, there was a game, I think it might have been Crystal Palace at home, that he rotated El Nenny and Jenkinson in and it was kind of cited as one of the reasons it all fell apart. Whereas Alteta, in this period of time, has had to rely on those squad players and has brought really effective performances out of them. And I think, yes, they deserve credit for that, but his management really does too. I, I think it's pretty remarkable, actually. And when you step back and look at the absentees that he's dealing yeah. with... It's very, very impressive. And yeah, if he gets it over the line, it will be some achievement.
2: By the way, according to David Ornstein, Arsenal uh, have opened talks for a new contract for Mohamed El Nenny, one of the guys uh, who goes with us to the games. A young guy. He said to me until a couple of weeks ago, he'd never seen El Nenny play a forward pass, right? Which I know he was sort of joking, but he has stepped up. He has genuinely stepped up. And, and I think I'd like to add to what you said that. If you'd have thought that we were going for Champions League qualification, we'd beaten Leeds, Manchester United, Chelsea and West Ham in about two and a half weeks. And we're offering Moel Nenny a new contract while Cedric and Holding and Nketiah were playing for us. We never would have seen that one coming. But hey, football's a surprising game. Uh, it did get weird in the second half. We were so comfortable. I suppose too comfortable, really, Amy. Yeah. Um, and then they got that goal and suddenly... And really, all the Leeds fans, by the way, were making a lot of the noise. I've got to give them credit for that. They they made a huge amount of noise. They might be going down this season, but my God, they make a racket. And and suddenly, it was a very, very weird atmosphere in the stadium. Do you, I, there was a moment that I thought... Is there enough experience on the pitch to get us through this sort of difficult moment? I don't know what you felt back then. James, you are obviously wandering about somewhere, I guess, at this <laughs> point. But uh, what?
1: <laughs> what did you think, Amy, when that happened? Well, I think I got most freaked out when I, I looked up a couple of times and Granite Xhaka was either playing left wing or centre forward. And I thought, <laughs> no, this, is not, this <laughs> is not what should be happening at this specific situation. <laughs> that goal like, went to his head
2: last week, didn't it, really? Yeah. There's no doubt.
1: Uh, he was lit. He was the furthest forward player on the pitch at one point, and I was like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, making those sort of slightly frustrating." It it was. I mean, I think when you say it was, it got weird. I think that's a generous choice of words. <laughs> think of what other word words. would you? What word would you use? Not words. I want to say out of that. <laughs> right. Um, okay. It was really odd because I saw Alan Smith just before the game sauntered through the press box, going up to the gantry to do the commentary. We said a quick hello and give each other that, like, what do you reckon, look? And, you know, when you say something, you think, why did I even say it? Like, don't think it, you know. And I said, oh, it's better not be a kind of Derby Wimbledon type of thing. For those of you who are old enough to remember yes. 1989 when Arsenal had home games against teams that they were absolutely supposed to beat and totally botched the whole thing up with nerves. And Alan was like, well, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm glad Uh, I didn't see you before the game, I'll
1: be totally honest with you, if you'd have done that. (laughs) And um, I think in that, the first half was the the antithesis of that sort of situation, obviously. And then in the second half, I think it was, it was really a question of nerves and knowing how to handle the situation And, you know, the players are plenty good enough that if they'd have been relaxed and the situation had been less intense, I'm pretty sure that the scoreline would have, you know, could have been one of those that is helpful for the goal difference. But it just felt like everybody was a bit fearful of making the mistake that might cost something. Is it the full gravity of the situation suddenly hit them a little bit? Yeah, I think so. And, and, You know, I remember speaking to the guys in 89 and them talk. you know, oh, and they think about those two games and just that feeling almost of it being out of control. Like it's obviously not what they prepare for, what they want, but just the enormity of the situation can have an impact. And suddenly it becomes very dominant in in their thoughts during the game. And then that can make things seize up a little. You rush a a pass, you, you, you know, You get rid of it a bit quickly. You 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 don't take that have that quiet level of uh, composure and and quality that you would when you're feeling relaxed. And it just looked like the players were feeling it. Yeah, Uh, it was antsy. It was edgy. It was nervy. And yeah, exactly. That becomes a, a, a a kind of contagious thing. It can it can go around the ground and. You know, and that's conversely, that kind of raucous singing from the Leeds corner, despite the fact that their situation seemed hopeless, got their team going a little bit. It did. And they it suddenly did. felt dangerous whenever they had the ball. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think in some, in some ways, if it can be utilised as a sort of like, watch this back and don't do this again <laughs> scenario, for the players to kind of refocus slightly, because I think uh, any more of that type of 45 minutes could be very costly in the games ahead, so that needs to be eliminated. Well, quite, and the games ahead,
2: which we'll come to <laughs> in a little while. Um, James, I'll ask you about this because Amy wrote a piece about uh the Louis Dunford song, uh, The mm. Angel, and it was you know what, it, it's difficult because I I I like it. I I heard it. I thought, oh, yeah, this might work. And I I know people have said it hasn't really been manufactured. I've seen a lot of stuff on social media about it. Um, And I thought the true test would be at the start of the game yesterday. And... I did get a little emotional when I heard everyone singing it and I think it contributed, I might be wrong about this, but I think it contributed to the fast start we made. There was a unifying feel when it was sung by the team, when the players were in a huddle and apparently the players have been talking about what they felt at that moment. I mean, do you think it's going to be adopted now as the anthem? I mean, the the kids, the kids seem to like it. Yeah. I
3: mean, well, there's only one more home game this season. Um, And I imagine it will be used then. I was in my seat, believe it or not, uh, at that point, um, (laughs) in the North Bank. And I was really surprised, actually, at how much it had caught on. I sort of, when things are kind of an online phenomena, I always think, are they going to translate real world into the stadium? How many times have you seen someone tweet out a great chant for a player, but that never takes off? And when it struck up, around me anyway, there was a lot of noise and a lot of people joining in. And I agree, it was kind of a spine-tingling moment. I mean, actually, someone else who I know is in the stadium, neutral observer, not even an Arsenal fan, texted me and they said, oh, a few hairs on the back of my neck stood up then. And I think that's a pretty a pretty good test. So, yeah, I, I really loved it. I mean, look, we've dealt with years of kind of less organic, anthemic songs being played at different sort of points in the stadium experience. And to me, this felt like a really good fit. I know it's not going to please everybody, nothing ever can, but uh, I really liked it. it. I found it very stirring and it did contribute, I think, that first 45 minutes, glorious weather, Mikel Arteta's new contract, his name being sung, North London forever, ringing around the stadium, couple of early goals. It was a very, very happy club in that first half and yeah I just wish it had stayed like that for the, for the
1: second it very happy club before it banished you to the concourse. yeah <laughs> um all right we don't need to talk too
2: much more about yesterday um Thursday night North London Derby Spurs away are you guys going to be there by the way James are you going to be there
3: I'll be on the concourse yeah. um <laughs> no I will be I'll be in the I'll be worse than that I'll be in the press box confined to my seat not allowed to emote i i honestly i'm at the point where i'm sort of i don't think i could sleep properly last night because i was lying awake thinking about it so uh, yeah kidding. that's going to be
2: you're going to be a mess this week aren't you let's be pretty fair. much I think, yeah i think a lot of us are though aren't we amy i mean it's uh, this is i mean how transformational this is sort of a ridiculous question really but how transformational could this be if we beat them what i want to do of course is beat them at uh at the uh the the toilet bowl stadium and uh, and um have St totteringham's day there in front of them and enjoy your thursday nights there's so much riding on this is there not i i, I mean can you I'm not even quite sure what to ask you here. really.
1: You're completely
2: <laughs> yeah. incoherent. Ian. I it's am fine. at this point. <laughs> I am at this point because I, 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 It's been building towards this, hasn't it? Let's be fair. We had the upset of those three games against Palace, Brighton, and uh, Southampton when we thought it was all gone, and then suddenly we come back with four wins, and we go into the North London Derby four points clear. And and I, I'm thinking, my God, this could be. This could change everything for our club if we win this game.
1: I have to say that the cushion of the four points does change the dynamic which is supremely helpful because I didn't envisage that probability when the fixture was put in it always had that feeling that it could that that nothing could be decided then it felt like it would probably go beyond that game into the last couple of matches of the season in the final week and it's actually I think a bit a bit unexpected that it, Arsenal are in a position where they can do it, get everything there and then on Thursday night. But I mean, I think that that does give a bit of a safety net because were Arsenal not so so far in front at this stage, going in there knowing that if a bad result might mean that it's back in their hands or something would be just I think about how nervous you, you know you are now. You can just multiply that by gallons, if it was if it was that sort of scenario. So that helps, and I don't think that by any means uh, decreases the way that Arsenal will approach it or how much they want it by any stretch. But it definitely maybe takes away a, a fraction of the edge. Yeah. I can't imagine what James would be doing if if this you know if we if the, the point advantage wasn't there going into Thursday. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's
3: true. And I also think, is it not, do you think much more helpful sort of psychologically to their preparation that there's like a positive outcome to play for? You know, that they, they. I'm reminded of when, was it after maybe the United or West Ham game, when Aaron Ramsdale was asked about, oh, how are you feeling about fourth? And he said, we're looking at third. And I wondered like, you know, is that does that come from the manager? Does that come from the top? Is there a sense of, you know we're always pushing for the positive what can we do and and having the aspiration of we can go there and win to seal it i feel like must be so much more incentivizing than going there looking to avoid defeat protect something i just wonder if it will help them play with with less fear and and for spurs spurs have to win really now i think that's how they will feel um and I think that puts an onus on them that makes things a little bit awkward and uncomfortable. We think we can make it awkward and uncomfortable for them. So that that cushion is hugely helpful, I think.
2: And also, and also by the way, the fact that maybe uh, Antonio Conte teams are better off soaking up pressure. We saw them at Liverpool at the weekend and they're they're good at sitting back and then hitting on the counter. But they have to take the game to the Arsenal. I'm sure that that crowd will push them forward. Now, hopefully, that will leave gaps for us to exploit because we're not too bad on the break either, really. Ben White could be back in contention for that. Um, Rob Holding makes so many clearing headers and has done so well since he came in. Amy, would you keep Rob Holding in the team or would you have Ben White back in the team for his passing and for for what he can do to break the lines? Uh, I think I'd have both. (laughs) Would
1: you? Yeah, I think uh, I would be inclined to perhaps uh, ask Ben White to play right back on this occasion. Tommy Asu left back, and Holding a Gabriel in the middle, which enables Arsenal to play their four best available defenders. Mm. Yes. Would you rather? Yes. Pl- would you rather play Cedric Suarez? Do you know what?
2: When you made that list, when you came up with that list of players who stepped in, uh, when you said it was uh, Mohamed um, Elneny and Eddie and Ketty and Rob Holding. Are Holdings, you saying I
1: deliberately you... didn't mention such I a I am. I deliberately... You, you, <laughs> well, you might be right. I know. <laughs> no. I,
2: they, it seemed, he seemed conspicuous by his absence, I suppose is what I'm saying. And we oh. did add him in. And I think he's done pretty well. But you know what? Well, I think he has. There have been definitely dicey moments, but Jaden Sancho is a decent player for Man United, you know, and yet they haven't got that many at the moment. But yes, I think uh, on balance, your analysis seems correct. I'd like Tommy Yasu, Gabriel, uh, Holding and White as our defence for Thursday. James, what's your thoughts on that before we move on?
3: No, I completely agree. I even think there's a possibility that Arsenal will play three centre-halves or, or something a bit more fluid, where White is kind of a third centre half, but are, you know sometimes in the right back area, like they did at Stamford Bridge. I think White, Holding, and Gabriel will all start. Is the long and
2: short of it. All right then. Well, anyway, we're doing a pod by the way, Friday morning, uh, uh, after the, uh, the Tottenham. <laughs> is that, well? Some of us are definitely doing if a pod. Won, if we've won, I
3: won't be if... home by Friday morning. I tell you that. <laughs>
2: James will just be uh, out on the street. A roving reporter. Roving uh, about. Anyway, we will be doing one. uh, So uh, listen out for that. This is Handbreak Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. We
2: better bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Yes, this is uh, handbrake off. I'm Ian Stone uh, here with James McNicholas and Amy Lawrence. Um, Amy, the contract renewal for Mikel Arteta uh, extended until 2025. Uh, they did it with uh, the women's team manager Jonas uh, Edval, um and they came out and made a quite a Sweet little video <laughs> talking about team sheets and how you don't really know what's going to happen.
1: That's why you have to rely on principles. Yeah. Whatever we do, but we rely on principles. So, rely on certain
3: principles and concepts and we apply them, whatever they do. And your positioning can say, instead of being here, they, when the ball is, instead of being here, they, but it's the same. Yeah, exactly. So, no matter
0: the positioning, same principles. No. Yeah, I totally agree.
3: And certain spaces are always occupied. Yeah. That's
2: it. But in terms of Mikel Arteta and his contract, they had. It is a big show of faith. I think the fact that they offered something to him after those first three games, and then after we'd lost some games a few weeks ago, um, it is. It does show how much faith they have in him, and uh, it's deserved, isn't it? And it's the right thing to do. And it. And it. And does it not also? give a bit of confidence to some of the other players who have yet to sign a contract. I'm thinking Bukayo Saka here particularly, but maybe one or two others as well, that they know what the situation is going to be for the next two, three years. You would
1: you would hope so, but I mean, I don't know how much a, a manager influences whether or not a player stays on. I mean, I think at times it, it really has an effect, but I don't... I think you know that because football is so changeable, so quickly and unexpectedly. There's no guarantees is there for for anybody. I think if when it, when it comes to Bakayo's contract extension, you know he's going to sit and look at his situation and the club's situation, and that of course that's linked with the manager, and it and it helps that that's known. But I, I think that Arteta was going to sign a new contract in any event, whether it happened last week, in a couple of weeks, or in the summer. It's just good that it's out the way as far as the kind of sales pitch to others, I suppose. But the most important thing is the, you know, let's be honest, by, is the, the fact that the club has made such obvious progress. The fact that it's a happy club, as has been mentioned a few times on, on this podcast with happy players at the moment. And being back in Europe is hugely advantageous. Um but obviously, being in the Champions League would be extra because I think certainly a player of Bukayo's caliber and some of the players that we might be looking to bring in would welcome Champions League football being on the menu rather than just Europa League. Wouldn't necessarily be a deal breaker because you know the financial implications of deals are hugely hugely uh, motivating for the majority of players. But it's I think it's it, it's a reflection of the fact that. He's done a lot on and off the pitch, really, Mikel, to kind of try and create this new culture that I think everyone felt was needed after their latter era of Wenger. And it t- has taken a bit of time to get there. But it's quite impressive that Mikel Arteta has got there in <clears throat> this space of, space of time that he's been there so far. And he obviously feels that he's not finished.
2: Quite. And and, and I know you say, you, you say it's taken quite a bit of time, Amy, but... James, when you look at what's going on at Manchester United and they're, what, eight years on from Sir Alex Ferguson leaving and they seem to be in a bigger mess than ever, whereas we seem to be stepping out of the shadow of Arsene Wenger and, uh, you know, the bright, I hate to use the phrase, sunlit uplands of uh, of the future, but there we are. It's, uh, it's only taken four or five years.
3: Yeah, I think if you'd offered most fans um, this position, you know, being very, very close to succeeding in the fight for Champions League places at this point in time, when Arteta joined the club, I think many reasonable fans would have said that was a, a, a an acceptable timeline. I don't know. I think I would have even probably thought it was quite quick, really, in terms of the amount of work that needed to be undertaken on the squad. Um, so, yeah, I think it's thoroughly deserved, to be honest. And um, I think the timing was good in that it came in the midst of, off the back of a very good run of results. But before the end of the season, I think it may have galvanised the group. You never know. I think any advantage that you can kind of gleam in these final few weeks of the season, you should. Um, So I was pleased to see it get done. I think that there's a lot of emphasis and discussion on managerial contracts Whereas, really, I'm not sure they're massively worth the paper they're written on. I mean, ultimately, if if you do a bad job, you're going to get sacked, aren't you? It doesn't matter. You can be given Alan Pardew's, you know, seven year deal or whatever it was. And if you don't perform, you'll be out the door. But as a reward and a kind of declaration of faith in what Arteta is doing, I think it makes a load of sense. And I think, yeah, from sort of an optics perspective, I think this is absolutely the right step for the club. And I, I have to say, I thought it was quite a classy move from Arsenal to do Mikel and Jonas Adewald's contracts in conjunction. I can't think of too many Premier League clubs where they would have taken that step of kind of put the, the men and women's managers alongside each other. Um, no. So I was I was proud of the club for that. I thought it was good.
2: Well, let's talk about the women's team then. Um, we're joined now by Art de Roche. Uh, hello, Art. I hope you're doing okay after yesterday.
4: Uh, yeah, I mean, I had the Constellation of the men's the men's results, so so it was all good. It was all
2: yeah. good. Yeah, uh, you were watching the uh, women's Super League game. Um, we beat West Ham two 0 but missed out on the title by a point because uh, Chelsea, even though they were losing at half halftime, uh, beat Manchester United four two to take uh, the title. Um, uh, what's the general feeling? I mean, this is three seasons now without silverware for the Arsenal for a club of that size. Um, is it? I mean, obviously, it's disappointment, but is it any more than that, or is it just the fact that we 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 got beaten to the title by a very good team with an excellent coach?
4: I think it's a it's a mixture of both. To be fair, there's obviously going to be disappointment because, especially when you look at where Arsenal dropped points, it was a draw against Tottenham uh, in oh. November, and a two 0 loss to Birmingham City he went on to win who went on to get relegated. And I think in hindsight, you probably think, oh, what if even you got a draw from one of those games or um, if you drew against Birmingham city, then would have been champions. And that's probably the most cruel part of it all. But in the general scheme of things, I think there has definitely been say tangible improvement from say where they were this point last year, when you consider, Last season, I think it was the games against um, Chelsea and City, those head-to-head games really kind of derailed Arsenal's push to even be involved in a title race, whereas this, this year they were in it till the final day. And then also there have been actual elements of their play that Edeval has improved in terms of defending more as a collective unit and then also being able to play out from pressure. And I think them rewarding him with a new contract is probably just proof of that. Even though they didn't go on to win the league, there's still kind of encouragement going, going forward.
2: And the new contract, uh, Art, I mean, James was just saying how it's pretty classy at a club to, to basically parade him, uh, uh, Jonas Idavel, and Mikel Arteta and offer them contracts at the same time. And the reception, I'm assuming, was pretty good because, like you say, there has been progress.
4: Yeah, it was quite funny because, as you'd expect, everyone in the away end kind of <laughs> was keeping tabs on the Chelsea game. Even um, Jordan Nobbs, who wasn't playing, she was on in the stands with the Arsenal bench. She was streaming the Chelsea game on her phone. So, <laughs> so everyone could kind of get the reactions from there. So that was kind of the main, I guess, impetus of the atmosphere, rather than it being about either of ours, more about what was going on at Chelsea. And you could tell, especially in the first half um, with how the fans in the away end were reacting, that kind of gave the implication to those on the pitch, what was happening. But then it was quite, quite dead in the second half just because everybody knew um, the score at Chelsea. But I think in in general terms, yeah, I I think there's definitely uh, people have recognised the growth of the team in the past season.
2: And what about losing some of the players? Viv Miedema, um, I watched uh, some of the highlights. She brought the ball down on her chest in the area and turned and had a shot. It was blocked by about three West Ham players. But she <laughs> just looks a class above. Um, if she leaves, they're going to miss her, right?
4: Definitely. I think this isn't. This hasn't been her best season, but no. you've still seen um, throughout the year, there's been moments where she is... 100% best kind of talent in that group. Uh, even yesterday, I asked our afterwards and he said there's no update on her future yet. But yesterday, she was the one who almost took the game to West Ham. Even I'm not sure if they would have been included on the highlights, but there are a couple moments in the first half where playing as at number 10, she was the one linking the play really well, even though Arsenal were kind of having a difficult time sometimes because West Ham just sat deep. And then also, she just had had those moments, as you mentioned, where you just saw her class. Um, but yeah, I think definitely going going forward, if if they're not able to keep her, then that makes the evolution of this team a lot harder just because of her quality, even though, say, this season might not have been her most outstanding one in an Arsenal shirt.
2: No, quite. And one more thing, uh, Manuela Zinsberger won the uh, uh, Golden Glove Award for uh, um, the goalkeepers. Um, She has had a good season and and you do think the standard of goalkeeping in the women's game has gone up uh, a number of levels, hasn't it?
4: Yeah, I think the most, I guess, the best thing that has come from her season has just been consistency in goal. Obviously, going into those kind of big crunch games against Chelsea and City, I think those are games where Arsenal were under a pressure a lot, even in the... um, Champions League games I think against Barcelona and Wolfsburg she was having to keep Arsenal in games quite yes. often and you just saw she was very reliable I think there's probably still areas of her game where she thinks she'd be able to improve say maybe distribution maybe but um, in terms of actually relying on your goalkeeper I think it was 13 clean sheets in total um, she now got 22 um, it's pretty good in it really? this season it's very good and I think um, I think since she's come in she's just grown Each year she's been at Arsenal, so uh, very encouraging. One kind of interesting point just outside of, I guess, specific players is when, speaking to Idoval after the game, I asked him where he kind of wants to evolve the team even further. Um, And he did actually mention playing against, say, man-marking systems in Europe and then also brought up quite an interesting point of wanting to Um, train against the academy boys um, to kind of get a gauge for that physicality. Um, So not obviously uh, the higher age groups, probably said under 15s or 16s would probably be a bit more realistic. Um, But he said it's something he might have a chat with Per Mertesacker about just to kind of give Arsenal women that kind of more intense training session. So when they get to those stages they'll probably be a bit more used to the intensity of those Champions League nights. So, I don't know, I just thought that was quite interesting and and worth mentioning.
2: Well, in terms of the physicality, there's about a minute and a half clip that somebody put on Twitter of uh, Arsenal playing Spurs and about 45 fouls that the Tottenham (laughs) (laughs) players were making on the Arsenal team. So uh, that is definitely happening a little bit more. Okay, what we're gonna do, we're gonna have a we're gonna get a song from each of you. Before we do, by the way, uh, I should uh congratulate James. Uh your book, James, as you well know, the chap the champ has been nominated for the Sunday Times Sports Book of the Year awards. Um there's an online vote. Yeah, you can sling
3: here. Paul Merson a vote as well for his autobiography, uh in is that it, category. Is it
2: either or though? Or is it No,
3: this? no, no. Different categories. He's up for okay. the best autobiography and I'm up for the best sports entertainment. It is well, an excellent read, by the way. And
2: so's yours, James. It's excellent. I really, really enjoyed it. And the accompanying show as well. So uh, vote for James is what we say here. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, let's have a song from each of Oh, are you okay to give us a song? I mean, you've just joined us, but uh, I think you, uh, we don't We don't like to, to spring these things on you, but uh, have you got a song for us?
4: Yeah, uh, it's just a, a short one uh, for this week. Dial-Up by Childish Gambino. It's an interlude heading into a more chaotic song, which I think fits, fits this week going into the North London derby. So um, I'll go yeah. for that.
2: <laughs> Anything with something chaotic in works very well with Arsenal.
1: Amy, what have you got for a song for us? Well, the angel of being obvious. Right? Yes, But just looking ahead to uh, Thursday night, I might just go for the Smiths and please, please, please let me get what I want. (laughs) Yeah, quite. Uh, James?
3: To be honest, I I know we I think we had it last week, but I haven't been able to look past the angel. It's sort of going around my head so much after yesterday that um, I should probably have some sort of song about leaving, shouldn't I? Or uh,
2: (laughs) going away. Um, Don't walk away, Renee. Yeah, exactly Something like that
1: I um, if you want something In the spirit of You would always find me In the kitchen at parties or
2: the, the, How about The Wanderer? That might work as well The Wanderer could
3: work,
1: yeah <laughs> I'm
2: having Closer By Kings of Leon Because it is getting closer Uh, We feel it. Uh, And hopefully on Friday, we will be talking about a glorious uh, evening uh, at the North London Derby at Spurs. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Thanks to Art. Thanks to Amy. Thank you to James. Thank you to Abby, our producer. I've been Ian Stone. uh, Up the Arsenal. And uh, enjoy your week.